Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of CS Radio. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Amy Len Kirshner. And we're back. We took a week off to sort of collectively hold our breath. We were a little, I mean, I was a little distracted last week. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on. It seemed like maybe it was, you know, maybe no one was going to be clamoring for career advice. Um, a pause felt appropriate. Yeah. So we uh, took a, a, a quick break and we are back. And, um, you know, we want to talk about some things that are coming up and some some things as uh, that students are, are continuing to deal with um, as we continue to have this remote existence. Yeah. And uh, we know that as of this recording... Penn is planning on welcoming students back to the dorms in the spring, starting in January, but to still hold, you know, activities and classes remotely. So all of this is going to be with us for some time to come. Yeah, exactly. We thought we would touch on a timely topic. I mean, just like Michael said, it continues to be timely. Um, but things, I mean, this is like the biggest understatement, but things continue to look very different than they have any other semester. And a question I keep getting from students kind of across all years, but especially for underclassmen, is definitely what are employers looking for, which is a pretty obvious question to pose to career services. But it's extra stressful, I think, now, because in a typical year, I think that students would naturally be getting more involved, uh, whether they're first-year students finding their footing and identifying clubs and resources physically on campus that will support them and, you know, work toward their the kind of complete picture of, you know, what their impact will be at Penn and where they're making their marks. Um, and sophomores may be starting to find leadership roles, uh, reapplying to those clubs. Obviously, we hear all the time that the clubs can be pretty competitive. So, finding their footing still sophomore year is great. Uh, Second year students kind of navigating that makes total sense, but that all feels very, very different right now. And I've spoken with many second year students who are saying um, kind of exactly that. Like I really literally had one semester on campus. Everything else has been remote and may or may not continue to stay remote. So how do I stand out to employers when, you know, the research activity that I might be getting involved with looks a lot different or when I can't make uh, my tutoring, you know, the, the plans that I had to tutor students in West Philadelphia because those things aren't happening? Quite frankly, it's a really good question. It's a, it's a, it's a terrific question. And I think the good news is everybody everywhere is in the same boat. Um, you know, this has uh, been a bit of an equalizer, but it's not just to students, you know, workplaces are uh, being disrupted like this too. So our, what we're hearing anecdotally from our employer partners is that they're being pretty understanding that, oh, you didn't do anything fall semester 2020. Um because there wasn't anything to do. And they do, <laughs> they do understand that. Now, where can you turn that around? 
there are definitely things you can do. Maybe Penn isn't ha doesn't have the same formal opportunities that would be presented to you if you were on campus and everything was open. But Milind, aren't there things that I could be doing as a student right now to show some initiative, to build some skills, to make myself attractive to an employer? Totally. And that's, of course, the advice we've been giving to students. So three things spring to mind immediately. Um, the first is actually LinkedIn learning, which Penn students have unlimited access to. There, you can search it on the Career Services website. There's a link to the ISC page that can get you access, but we can link it in the show notes as well. Um, but this is a great way to develop some foundational skills that maybe in a typical semester, you might not have time to take a Photoshop LinkedIn learning class, but maybe you, you have the bandwidth for it this semester. Um, so that's definitely a place I would explore. In addition to technical skills, there are some like time management uh, guides. I took one at the beginning of the pandemic about like organizing yourself to work from home. Um, so uh, I think that there's a breadth of opportunities through LinkedIn learning. Um, you could just kind of take those and add them into your resume as skills that you've developed. Uh, mm -hmm. You could certainly talk about those, that initiative that you've taken in an interview. You could also speak with a career advisor about how to just best showcase that for sure. But number one would be LinkedIn learning. Um, number two for me would be career shift. So we've talked about career shift in the past. We will talk about it again in the future. I love career shift. It has three different search tools, one for companies, one for contacts, and one for jobs. And I would point students to the jobs feature in this case. Um, they've easily added a button at the top to include remote opportunities. So you could just check off that button to include things where you don't need to physically report. Um, and then in addition to searching for full-time things, which might be good for seniors, um, you can search for part-time and other options there. So you might be able to find actual paid work that could be remote and just be something to supplement what you're doing already. So I really like career shift for that. And then the third thing is a resource I feel like we haven't talked about here in a little while, but I still love, and that is Idealist. And Idealist... Oh, we have not mentioned Idealist. We haven't, right? I was surprised when I was just thinking of it. Um, Idealist is a great search tool. It's jobs and internships, but it's specifically organizations who are doing good, who are mission-based. So it's primarily nonprofits. It is also some government, some NGO things, although those also tend to be on other platforms as well. But I, in addition to those job and internship searches that Idealist has, there's also just a volunteer search. And I think that this is fantastic, of course, because as other volunteer opportunities may be drying up in COVID times, you might be able to find different ones through Idealist. Same thing where you can click that uh, remote is an option for you. I just kind of did this the other day with a student and found remote tutoring opportunities. Of course, that opens up potentially the whole world. <laughs> um, so I really like Idealist for that. The other great thing about Idealist is that you can be granular We've talked about the difference between industry and job function, of course, in the past, but Idealist allows you to be really granular in that search. So if you have an, an issue area you're passionate about, whether that's the environment or um, immigration or women's rights or anything like that, men is also a category, I'll have you know, um, you can... Um, indicate that issue area, and then also indicate the skills that you have that you'd like to apply. So you could be doing administrative work in any of those areas or, or tutoring, like we talked about, but um, you could be specific about tutoring, you know, a 
an immigrant population if that's something that you're passionate about. So I think that idealist is a great way to, um, to again, add something to your resume. It doesn't need to be that you're doing it for 40 hours a week, but it's certainly something that, and of course you, you probably couldn't or wouldn't, that would not be recommended. Um, but it's certainly something that you can speak to. And that I think is the key of this is that employers are going to want to know how you adjusted. What did you do? How did you find new paths instead? Um, and these three resources, I think, could be fantastic, like entry level entry points into those things that you could you could say to employers. Uh, Idealist is such a great resource. And just pinging back for a second to to LinkedIn Learning, mm. uh, we've not we didn't. I'm I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, Milan, because we've never talked about this, but it. Um, it's come up twice for me recently, and I keep meaning to consult with my colleagues about it. So we're gonna do we're gonna do this here live. <laughs> um, badges, badges, badges. You're like not badgers, uh, not badgers, <laughs> badges. Um, this is all part of the sort of gamification model. Yeah, where as you complete things, you get badges. And LinkedIn is awarding badges that you can put on your profile. And I know that Canvas uh, has a feature. I don't know that, I don't know who at Penn is using the feature, uh, but you can turn badges on in Canvas when you complete certain milestones. And uh, I've recently been told that the entire um, uh, Salesforce, uh, if, if you use the sort of uh, employee metric system in Salesforce and the employee oh. training, it's all badges. It's all badges. And so I had, actually I had a colleague at the library at Van Pelt uh, reach out to me and ask what the advantage of having badges were because they were putting together a Canvas course yeah. and should they turn on these badges? Uh, they think the students like them. And is it, you know, is it that, is it attractive to employers? Uh, so what I said was, um, if students like it, that, you know, go, I mean, gamification does work. People like right. achievements. Yes. Um, I said, I don't know how much employers are looking at badges. It's not something you can put on your resume right now. Right. right? So having it on your LinkedIn profile is a way of reinforcing something, but I wouldn't go, I wouldn't be like, Hey, look at all my badges. What do you think? <laughs> this is my take as well. I, um, I immediately liken this in my mind to a minor where Sure. You could talk about it to an employer. It could be something that you illustrate in relation to your interest or your specific qualifications for a role. But I cannot an imagine an employer saying, oh, this candidate is preferred because they have two dozen badges over this candidate who has zero or two badges. And I think that's similar to a minor in that it, it can support. But I, if someone is just shy of a credit for a minor or something, it's I really de-escalate that because that's not, they, minors can mean so many different things across different schools that employers don't put a whole lot of weight on them. And I, I think that that might be similar in a LinkedIn learning space where if you specialize and you have a number of, like a series of badges in a certain skill set, it could speak to your competence in something and support, again, that Photoshop example, if you list that as a skill set on your resume and then have a number of right. LinkedIn learning badges. Um, but it seems to me that, that just as you said, it would be more helpful on an institutional level to encourage your staff to 
get that development going is my take, but I'd be, this is a great conversation topic. If listeners have thoughts on this or other questions. Yeah, I would definitely be curious and we'll, we'll have to ask around the career services staff if people we have, may have a follow up thoughts. Cause I, I, uh, I think this is, this is something we're seeing more and more of. And, you know, at some point, is it going to be weighty? I, I don't know. I mean, sir, that, that sort of achievement is not, not, a new idea. I mean, you and I are old enough that we've <laughs> probably received paper certificates for things in the past. I mean, certainly in in my role, uh, you know, in the time I from the time I started career services until today, I've taken certain certifications. The, I've got certified in, in Access, and then I got yeah, certified right. on Dreamweaver. I have um, the only one I still having still it still hangs on my wall in my office or at least it, it was hanging there nine months ago when I left. Um, I got certified in power searching on Google. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I am a certified Googler. Um, that was incredible. That is amazing. Um, um, so, you know, and those things, maybe not the power searching on Google, but those things were, were you know, important on my resume in the skills section. Yes. Again, because my role has changed and I haven't kept those certifications up, you know, I got certified on access in 2000 and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so um, while I certainly am still proficient in, in you know, office 2019, I, I probably don't have the same advanced skill set I, I did. Certainly not in Dreamweaver where that has changed a lot. But at the time, they were at the top of my skill sets, you know, certified trainings completed in access and dreamweaver and um googling <laughs> photoshop you know so that i would still list those types of things as such if you completed um a course where you got some sort of certification that says yes you did this you completed the course successfully then i would definitely add that stuff in your skill section if you want to then apply that badge to your LinkedIn, I think go ahead, but it's neither here nor there at the moment. Yeah, I, I mostly just want to say to the students who who feel like this is another area of competition and they're worried that they're not going to stack up to their peers who may have more, I would, again, not be concerned yeah, about it, that. But not, yeah. yeah, and similarly to those skills in your resume, remember, just as you said, I wouldn't indicate Dreamweaver anymore because gosh, it's been so long since I've been in Dreamweaver, but I also don't have a role now that requires me to use Dreamweaver. And I think that that is another thing for current students to be mindful of. You may be CPR certified because you were a lifeguard last summer and your certification is still valid. But unless that directly relates to the work you're applying to, that's something that can fall off so that your resume looks more targeted. Every office needs a safety officer, Milan. Exactly. Where does our office uh, have those? <laughs> we're all regularly trained. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, so I guess the last thing, this kind of ties in, of course, and I mean, this has been a theme throughout the whole semester. Last week, this week, it's trying. We know that students are in the middle of, of midterms, finals are rapidly approaching with the kind of adjusted semester. Um, there may be travel ahead as you go home, and there may be, that may be stressful as you think about seeing family again, that, you know, testing and making sure that you're healthy so you can visit family members and, and spend time with them over the, over the break. So I think what would be helpful maybe to just refer to our previous episode where we did talk about health and wellness. That might be another good resource um, if there's 
any building anxiety as you maybe head home for Thanksgiving break or uh, are thinking about the next few weeks. Yep, that would be uh, episode 117, I think it was two episodes ago um, with Dr. Tutan and Dr. Fleshman. Uh, that was a great conversation. And if you have not heard it, now's a great time to check that out. Exactly. And I will say, uh, just as a bit of advertising, I suppose, I, I know for me personally, sometimes when people say, you know, you know this great wellness thing, but it, sometimes it just adds to my stress. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to talk about not feeling great because it makes me feel not great. <laughs> but I thought our conversation was very light and very uh, motivational and uh, made me feel really good. And I thought it had some really actionable things for when you are not feeling great. And it was nothing too heavy. Exactly. I was definitely going to say motivational, inspirational. I have since taken up writing COVID haikus. Oh, my Quarantine haikus. I know. It's really therapeutic. Um, I enjoy it. Not to put that on anyone's to-do list, but they're very simple. <laughs> five, can seven, you five. A, it's you a, a, <laughs> can you get a, a badge in that? Shoot, we'll have to look into that. <laughs> Well, as always, there is a ton going on, and Career Services continues to be here for you for all of your career needs. Please feel free to reach out, make an appointment, uh, do a phone drop and meet with a PCA. Just check in with us however you would like. And we will be back again next week with another new episode of CS Radio. This podcast is by University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of the Vice Provost for University Life. It was created, produced, and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and A. Milin Kirshner. It was mixed and edited by Kelsey Padilla. Our theme music is by Mila, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Please join us again next time on CS Radio.